Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, this is Sandy, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships in midlife. Today, I am excited to be speaking with relationship coach Samantha Burns about how to get over your breakup and move on to create the love life that you deserve. And in my 10 years as a life and dating coach, what I know for sure is that if you identify and heal any of your unhealthy patterns from your past, if you honor and value all the parts of yourself, especially the parts that people told you were too much or not enough, because we all have that, you're going to transform your love life and you will become the woman of value who attracts in the love you desire and deserve. Every week I bring you a tip on how to become that woman of value, and this week's tip is step number 18, which is learn to receive graciously. How often are we givers and have a really hard time receiving? And this is something that I talk about all the time in my work with clients because the ability to receive is actually something that's innately feminine for all you women who are listening. We are built to receive, we are made to receive, and yet we have a really hard time receiving. And a quick little exercise that I just learned from a woman who I'm actually co-creating a day-long training with on how to let love in, especially for successful, overachieving women, um, is is just about this topic. And, and so what we, uh, what she does, and I love this, is to have you take a deep breath in, and then hold it, and then take another deep breath in and hold it, and another deep breath and hold it. And eventually you're going to have to let that air out because your lungs can't keep taking in and in and in. And so the relationships that we have with others is about giving and receiving. It's not just about taking something in, and it's not just about letting something out. It's about both. So learning to receive graciously is so important. And before I bring Samantha on, just a quick shout-out to my Facebook group. Um, We have a private Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And if you are not yet a member, I invite you to join us. It is for women over 40 who are either in a relationship or single and looking for a relationship support. It is a place that is heavily monitored. We have seven daily monitors, you know, one for each day of the week, so that this group does not go off the rails as so many large groups do. We have 2,400 plus members. So keeping a, a good eye on the group is important to me because I've seen too many groups that just get into angry, man bashing, negative spaces, and that's absolutely against group policy. So if you're looking for a place for positive support, go to Your Last First Date in Facebook and join us. And now for our special guest, Samantha Burns. She is a licensed counselor and relationship coach. She helps singles survive soul-crushing breakups and become smarter, more intentional daters so they can create the life and the love life they deserve. Samantha has a private practice in Boston, Massachusetts, but she works with clients all over the country, virtually offering breakup, dating, and relationship coaching services. 
She's also the author of a new book called Breaking Up and Bouncing Back, Moving On to Create the Life You Deserve. And she's an expert contributor to many big publications, including Women's Health, Brides, Elite Daily, Cosmo, and more. Join me now for episode number 307, How to Get Over Your Breakup with Samantha Burns. Welcome, Samantha. Wow, thank you, Sandy. 307, that's amazing. (laughs) I've been doing this for five and a half years. It's like crazy. But it's helped me to meet amazing people like you. So I'm excited to have you on today and talk about this really important topic and so talk to us a little bit. I'm sure you have a backstory on why you became a breakup expert and why you're so passionate about this particular topic. Absolutely. So um, as you shared with my bio, I am a licensed counselor, so I have my master's in counseling psychology. And um, But that's, you know, that's the the expertise there, but really I I fell into the breakup work. I always was interested in couples therapy. I've worked my whole career uh, doing couples counseling, and I fell into the breakup work because of my own big, what I call soul-crushing breakup. Um, during And during that time, I thought, you know, I was alone and the only one going through such a horrible experience. And what I realized was that this was not the case, but yet so many people feel alienated and alone. And in my case, I had been dating my live-in boyfriend for about four and a half years. This was the person that I thought I was going to marry. We had talked about engagement. And on the day that I thought he was planning to propose, he actually told me that I was not the one for him. And my entire world came crashing down the future I envisioned together, disappeared, and I was just so confused by his inability to articulate what was missing in our relationship or why I wasn't the one after spending so many good years together and then kind of went to that dark place that so many people go, which is assuming something was wrong with me, that I wasn't good enough in some way, that I was broken. And I got into this mental space where I was questioning why wasn't I enough to make him happy? Why wasn't I good enough for him? Why didn't he love me enough for us to stay together? How could he just throw away our past and the future that we had been planning? And what I realized is that if I was a typically resilient and stable person, I had a strong support network and I was a professional counselor. So I think I have more knowledge about coping skills and mental health than the average person and I was struggling this much, then how painful and confusing and isolating this experience of heartbreak must be for everyone else. And I share my experience with you because what I realized in going through my own heartbreak and then in working with hundreds of other clients in this niche um, and diving into so much research in order to write my book around this, was that even though we all have our own unique breakup situations, the thoughts and behaviors and processes we experience along the way is all fairly similar. So that was really my goal in my work and in my book and my program was to help people realize that they're not alone and that there is, you know, a path to follow in order to turn your breakup pain into wisdom gained, right, to make it 
an opportunity for personal growth. And I have a feeling you probably also agree that some of our biggest transformation stems from our worst pain. Mm-hmm. Well, well, thank you for sharing your your heartbreaking story. And you ended up, there's a happy ending. You ended up with this there amazing guy. There is a guy. happy ending. <laughs> I have a great husband. Uh, we've been married for just under four years now. And every day I just feel so grateful to have him in my life. And I often say that I feel grateful, but I don't feel lucky. And I say I don't feel lucky because I intentionally created the life I'm living in our relationship and not so much what this book is about and what I stand for is that it's not just luck. There's strategic things that you can do to attract and receive love and to have a good, healthy relationship with yourself in order to be um, the best partner that you can be. So, um, and I, I really believe everyone can have that. And that's kind of my goal and my passion is helping other people create such a fulfilling reciprocal relationship and you talked about receiving especially for you know I call them type a high-powered women who like to control Mm -hmm. everything and I definitely fall into that category as well and to be in the reciprocal relationship where again someone is giving to you and you can receive because so many of the women which I'm sure you've had experience of working with as well are often giving 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 and then burning out and resentful when their partner isn't stepping up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have so many patterns that we don't even realize that we do subconsciously. And learning these tap, these tools and the steps that you're going to teach people both in the book and you'll share some of that today on the show is just so, so important. I love that you say, I feel grateful but not lucky. Because I think so many people think that, you know, it's all luck. You know, you just happen to be one of the lucky ones. And, well, you know, you're pretty, you have a good figure, you're this, you're that, you're smart. There's amazing people out there who don't attract and love because they're, they don't have these tools. And it's really the one thing that gets in the way. And so I want people to not give up hope and to know that instead of focusing on what did I do wrong, let's talk about you know, things that they can do. But before we get to the how-tos, um, I'd like for you to share some of the struggles that people have with breakups. Like, what, why is it so hard for people? Mm. So the most important topic I think that I cover is helping people understand their heartbreak from a neuropsychological perspective. And before you hit snooze, because I said <laughs> neuroscience, <laughs> I'm going to break it down um, to be pretty easily digestible because I think once you understand how a breakup works in your physical body, you can be more compassionate with yourself. You can understand why you're clinging on because so many people come to me where they're obsessing and ruminating about their breakup and they've wasted weeks and sometimes years um, hung up on their ex and in pain and not able to let go. So when you understand why, um, it's, it's pretty helpful. So I think the the most important thing is to understand that your breakup impacts you on a neuropsychological level similar to drug withdrawals. So as though you are addicted to your ex and you are withdrawing from drugs. And to understand that you also need to know how love works in our body. So not just emotionally, but physiologically. So brain scan studies have shown that when you think of 
or see someone that you love. So they held up pictures in this brain scan study of people's partners or people's exes. The reward center of your brain is activated and it releases a neurotransmitter, which is like a hormone called dopamine that's responsible for giving you that giddy and loving feeling. So again, emotions are what we think of as emotions aren't just emotions. They're actually chemical reactions in our bodies. And this is also the same brain region associated with drug addiction. And so when we're in love with our partner, we are literally addicted to our partner. We're just used to thinking of addiction as a negative, but in this case, it's a positive. So for instance, if you know, when you're first dating someone, you have them on your mind all of the time. You're driving in your car, you're smiling, catching yourself glowing in the mirror. And this happens um, in those early falling in love stages because we have an increase in the stress hormone called cortisol, which actually lowers our level of serotonin. And when we have lower levels of serotonin, that is what's responsible for those obsessive infatuated thoughts at the beginning of a relationship. So those are kind of a, a positive experience. Um, when we are very physical with our partners and we have a lot of skin-to-skin contact, our body releases oxytocin, which is a bonding hormone that makes us feel attached to someone. And we also start to miss red flags about someone's behavior. They say love is blind because part of our brain, it takes a nap. Um, there's these neural responses that shut down our ability to make judgments and critical assessments about people. So when we're in that honeymoon phase, we're kind of blind to some of their behaviors or who they really are. And oftentimes, you know, you go in the past six months with someone and all of a sudden you're seeing all these things that annoy you or you're questioning, you know, is this really the best match for me? And that's because um, our brain has shut down on us in certain ways. Um, and so when you look at love and your ex through this addiction framework, when we then split up and we break up, we cut off communication, we cut off physical touch, and our brain goes through withdrawals. It's saying, where did my lover go? I need them to feel good. Your brain is hormonally, chemically dependent on this person in your life. So it's used to getting a daily hit of love, and now it's gone. And that's really when we experience those feelings in an early breakup that almost mimic anxiety and depression and can lead to full-blown, you know, diagnosable anxiety and depression. But we have difficulty sleeping, we're crying, we're anxious, we have changes in our appetite and eating behaviors. Some people under this intense stress, um, you know, emotionally eat everything in sight. Others have zero appetite, uh, difficulty sleeping where a lot of people either experience insomnia where they can't fall asleep, they have a lot of racing thoughts about the relationship that ended, or they're just sleeping their entire day away and they can't get out of bed. Um, and so we also experience what's called triggers. So triggers are people, places, and things that make you think about your ex. So this could be you know, walking past your old favorite brunch spot or certain songs on the radio, recipes, smells. Uh, I know for me, I, when I was out driving and I would see the same truck on the road that my ex used to drive, I would think that it was a sign from the universe and we were supposed to be together and then I'd miss him like crazy. So these mm -hmm. triggers can lead to intrusive thinking and acting impulsively. You know, people surprise themselves. Maybe it's they send, you know, 20 texts in a row without a response or they 
drive by someone's house almost like in a stalkerish way. But Uh we do some pretty irrational things, or at least we think them. I mean, I can't tell you how many of my clients, you know, fantasize about, you know, physically harming their ex. And we don't even recognize ourselves in these moments. And they make us feel feel a little bit crazy. Um, But to understand that this is all part of the physiological process of withdrawing from love. And even more so, our body processes a breakup as though it underwent physical pain so there's certain parts of your brain not the part that processes like if someone actually hit you but then like the aftermath of that pain that you know resides in your body you're that's activated in your in your body when you go through a breakup I remember just sitting propped up in my bed feeling like I'd been punched in the gut and that's really what's Uh going on there and there's even something called broken heart syndrome and I promise you if you're listening to this radio show right now you are not going to die but there has been cases where um people's heart was heart their physical heart was so weakened under emotional stress that it had led to death so it might feel like you're going to die again that's very very rare but i just want to emphasize how much of a physiological reaction that we have and so one of the things that i like to tell my clients that might be helpful for your your listeners to hear is that what I see people doing is they misattribute all of this pain to the conclusion that their ex must have been the one for them because they're in so much pain, but it's more helpful to reframe the pain you're in as simply a physiological response to withdrawing from love. So less emphasis on your ex and how you were supposed to be together, they are the, you know, end all be all uh, for you. And more so that this senior feeling is simply a physiological response to withdrawing from love. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I've been there, definitely. And so many of the things you're saying, I see with clients and, and I see it on my Facebook group all the time. I, I once had a client who had to work with the guy that she broke up with, that he broke up with her. And it was a toxic relationship from the beginning. Um, he was so clear with her that he could not commit to a relationship. And she did all the giving and none of the receiving. And then mm. one day he was just like, you know what, I'm not in love with you. And she had to see him at work all the time. And it was so hard to heal from that heartbreak because it was a constant reopening trigger. of the wound and that trigger, right? And that that Absolutely. and so was that that addiction she was going through. Like, imagine if you had a drug in your face as you're trying to withdraw from the drug. Um, and he finally got moved. Yeah, so it was it was well, a combination a of uh, he he moved to another location. Um, she got some psychiatric help, which helped her to get over the hump of it because it was she was obsessed, and of course. she's also happily oh, wow. married now, which is good news. He was Happy he was ending. a stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. But well, when you're in it, right? What did you say? Oh, I was just going to say that, which is why it's so important to set healthy boundaries after a breakup because your body needs time and space to withdraw from love and to physically burn itself out. And love will die. It will burn out. Um, But when you're constantly in an environment with your ex or maybe you keep 
photos of the two of you around or you have his sweatshirt in your closet. Like when there's just these reminders uh-huh. that you're constantly facing, it's, you know, a trigger that sets you back emotionally every time. And, yeah. you know, just something you said about that client, how this guy said from the get-go that he wasn't able or interested in being able to give her the commitment or relationship that she wanted. Um, uh-huh. One thing that's just, I always emphasize to my female clients is that men often say what it is that they mean. And uh-huh. we like to overanalyze and intellectualize and kind of think, well, what, what does that maybe mean? But he was telling her what that meant. And yep. then she kept giving and giving and overextending yep. herself. She, and she kept asking me like, what do you think he meant by that? And I'd be like, he meant exactly what he said. And she wouldn't yep. hear me because she was so obsessed. Like she just could not take it in. But part of mm. her knew, part of her knew, but it was also familiar. She she had a narcissistic parent. She had a narcissistic husband. She was used to being on the receiving end of selfishness and narcissism and trying to win the love of somebody who couldn't give it to her. So it was a, a great learning experience, painful, but it, in the end she ended right. up with somebody who was loving and giving and cherished her. And she had to go through this to get to that point of being able to be open to receiving him. Um, so this is, it's so important to heal after a breakup. And if you can give us, you know, even a brief outline of some of the steps you take clients through and some of what you have in your book about some of the steps that people can go through to heal from a breakup, that would be great. Sure. Well, um, first and foremost, I talk about a, 90-day no-contact rule, which if you're in the throes of an early-on breakup that, you know, you're living minute to minute, let alone day to day, so that might seem really overwhelming, but just taking it um, minute to minute and day by day, knowing and committing to yourself that just today, um, no contact, but the reason why I suggest the 90-day no-contact is because of that um, neuropsychological response that we have in giving your body time to heal and people will be amazed in just you know those three months and in those three months of course there are many therapeutic exercises and self-love work to be doing and reflections there's some deeper inner work that I can mention in a, in a moment um, but you're doing things to work on yourself and to invest in yourself during that time and uh-huh. after 30 days it's not like poof all of your you know feelings are gone and you're 100% and ready to be in a relationship with someone else, it it could happen, just that you'll be able to make more rational, logical decisions that aren't so emotionally um, based and driven because you've given yourself this time and space to heal. Um, But the people that I think struggle the most, what I call in my book, I kind of categorize your breakups into two groups. One is the cold turkey cutoff, which is people who are really good at having one breakup conversation. You exchange belongings. And that's really it. You kind of go your separate ways. Doesn't mean you're not in pain, but that you have really strong boundaries. The other group, though, is what I call the hanging on hookup. And this is where people continue to communicate. Maybe they're texting. They could just be passively liking each other's photos on social media. They could still be sleeping together. But they're still involved in each other's lives. And unless you take that time and space, no one has ever gone from lovers to platonic friends overnight. It just doesn't happen. So it's like really being able to take that space. And so in my book, I give all sorts of suggestions of, you know, self-care, 
um, and, you know, self-care survival skills, things to be doing when you are in that kind of obsessing and dwelling and ruminating mindset to get out of it. And then also really, you know, when we go through a big breakup, we've lost a sense of our identity and we're questioning, you know, who am I now? We know we're not the same person we were before the breakup and it's not your job to get back to that person because it's your job to to create an even new, better, improved version of who you were. And we kind of feel like we borrowed, we have these borrowed parts of ourselves, like things that have been influenced by our ex because one of the beautiful things about being in a relationship is you know, expanding your worldview and taking on new hobbies and interests and um, just growing with that person. So you feel like they've impacted your life, but now that they're out of your life, you're like, who am, who am I? So it's so important to identify new goals and hobbies and interests, and they could be, you know, personally, they could be, um, you know, fitness goals, they could be in your career, and moving, they could be all sorts of things, but really creating a new sense of purpose, and we do that through identifying new goals. And then also one of, I think, the most helpful parts of my book and the work that I do is helping people, and this actually can tie into what you were sharing about your clients, um, is what I call, it's not what I call, it's called attachment theory, but it's understanding how our early childhood interactions with our caregivers impact who we are in our adult romantic relationships and the type of closeness and intimacy we desire or feel comfortable with. And from a very early age, we've learned whether people are reliable or dependable or inconsistent or are going to hurt us or break our trust or, um, or that we can rely on. And so we've had all these experiences and they've, form the way we interact with our partners and so it sounds like you had, when you were talking about your client one thing that, that just you know stuck out to me was that what I often see is someone with what's called an anxious attachment style so that means that you really you really desperately desire a lot of closeness and intimacy but you're so fearful of being left or you're so fearful that your partner won't like the real version of you so you're not necessarily authentic or you don't you let them lead because you're afraid that if you you will say the wrong thing you'll push them away you're mistrusting maybe you've been treated on or hurt by people you've been close to and so um you you cling and you cling and you oftentimes lower your standards and you put up for with less than you deserve because you're so desperate for a connection and we tend to be attracted to and drawn to someone with what's called an avoidant attachment style, which is someone who really, they do want love, but they prioritize their independence and their freedom. And they have a lot of difficulty communicating about their feelings. They tend to dodge a lot of questions or distance themselves when it starts to feel too real. Um, they don't like people depending on them. And so, um, you get the person with the anxious style who's very much a giver and just really wants that connection, who's attracted to someone who's more of the taker, and eventually, um, right, your emotional needs aren't being met in that relationship. And um, someone, you know, they they back off. Or in that case, the guy says, you know, I'm not really looking for a relationship, um, but, you know, put in just enough that clearly there was some sort of reason why she stuck around but never really getting her needs met. Mhm. Yeah, so I do a lot of work around attachment. 
Yeah, it's such yeah. an important part of understanding yourself, and I highly recommend that people really listen to what Samantha's saying because when you understand your connection to your childhood, to your caregiver, your family of origin, um, you really can start to break some of those toxic patterns that you've had in your past relationships and, and be attracted to a healthier partner. Um, so yeah, that's, I call that's it a... a I call it a a new creating creating a new secure framework for love. It's creating a new framework mm. for love. So it doesn't once you understand those patterns, just because we have them, it's so important to acknowledge them and to thank your attachment style because it served a purpose and a reason. It it developed for survival and it kept mm-hmm. you alive, and that's great. But now, as an adult, no matter how old you are, you know we it's not like we. We, you know, we say at 18, you're an adult, but no one ever really just transitions into adulthood and changes. We carry with us all of these dynamics and patterns. So it's so important to acknowledge now as an adult that you don't need those those attachment styles anymore, the dysfunctional ones, and that you can create a healthier, more secure framework to start operating in your love life um, so that you can have that healthy relationship that you really desire. Mm. So what I love about so much of what you're sharing today is that the beginning of what you were talking about, being obsessed and and looking within and saying, what did I do wrong? Those are all ways of giving up our power. And Mm -hmm. what you're sharing are ways that we can take back our power and that we can do what we have control over. We don't have control over whether somebody stays or goes. We have control about how we show up. In a relationship, we have control about who we choose. The choosing part is probably the most important part. Um, being really, you know, very ruthless with our selection process. And um, we have control over whether we stay or go. And so many people give up their power. I did it so much in my life until I learned these these wonderful tools. And so you're providing such a great resource for people. And, and so many people are... So in that self-beat-up mode. So I know that we don't really have a lot of time left, but I I do want to get into um, just that next step of dating again because I know there's a big, there's a lot of confusion about when to date again after a breakup. Mm -hmm. So if you can address that, like how much time do you think people need and is it really about the time or is it about the work you do during that time? And then the second part is like, if you can give some some ways to get over some of the fears and jump back into the dating world. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's really not about time in terms of days and weeks and months, but it's really about the work that you do. So I call it in my book, your love lessons, which are your nuggets of wisdom that you get through reflection. And there's so many therapeutic exercises and questions that I ask to guide you in this self-reflective work. But so it's about understanding your love lessons and understanding how you're, you know, what is it that you really need and want in a future partner? What did and didn't you like about yourself in the relationship? How did it bring out the best in you or the worst in you? Um, and really understanding, too, things like core values. So I call this the unromantic side of falling in love. It's a very pragmatic side. We need more than just physical attraction and a feeling to have a successful partnership, someone that we spend our life with. We need to know, do we align on really big things um, core values could be anything from your what well it's you define it. It's what's most important to you, what you're most passionate about. It could be um 
religion. It could be about minimizing your carbon footprint on this planet. It could be um, about your work-life balance. There's there's so many, and I provide a lot of them um, in the book. But um, being pragmatic about who you're choosing, aligning personality traits, can they speak your love languages, all of these things. Um, so, gosh, I'm I'm going off on a tangent here. What so? <laughs> So I could, <laughs> I could talk about this from so many angles, but so it's about, yes, it's about really understanding who you are and that healing work. So, you know, and also when you dive into dating again, um, I teach my clients how to date with intent. For me, dating with intent is about dating with a purpose and, you know, really looking for your next lifelong partner, not just um, to have fun. But I do think dating should be fun. And if that means that you just want to get yourself out there and go on some dates, you absolutely do not have to jump into anything serious right away. And part of your experience in dating is learning about yourself, which contributes to your love lessons so that you can start um, choosing and picking smarter as you go. Um, So taking off that pressure of yourself that you have to, um, like that you have to just jump in and and be ready to go right away as long as you're being honest about what it is you're looking for and not intentionally misleading anyone. I think that's important. And also, too, I think um, a big breakup really shakes up your life and it it disrupts the vision of the future that you had planned. And I know just how disappointing and frustrating when you don't feel like you're meeting your life timelines. So I do, you know, encourage people that take off this pressure and let go, let go of these artificial timelines that you're creating in your head because you think you should be at a certain point at a certain time in your life, but these shoulds aren't facts, which leads me, I guess, to my next point is that we treat our thoughts as facts. And so when we're getting ready to date again, we might have a lot of kind of self-defeating thoughts like I'm going to die alone or I'll never meet anyone or there's no good men out there or no one will love me. So one of my biggest tips about preparing to date again is really challenging these automatic thoughts that you're treating like facts. And um, I walk you through an exercise to do that in my book, but it's saying like maybe your thought is, I don't know, what's a common fear that there are no good men out there. So to challenge that is really thoughts of abundance and hope. And you say to yourself, what am I talking about? There are many good men, high quality men out there who will love me, who will put an effort into courting me that I deserve to be with, who are up to my you know, standards of how I want to be treated. And it, that might be challenging at first because you don't believe it. And you don't believe it because you're treating your automatic thoughts as facts. So it's so important to be aware of this, thoughts that we're thinking, which then create our reality or a negative self-fulfilling prophecy that you will be alone. So we have to get rid of the stinking thinking and that junk in your head and really focus on abundant, hopeful thoughts and messages and putting out that positive and what we will receive and attract back. Mm. Yeah, that's, this is such an important piece. I think so many people go back into dating with such scarcity thoughts and fearful thoughts, and they project so much of their past experience onto the person in front of them. 
I even had yeah. a client once who was dating a guy, and, and she had so many fears that kept popping up, and he said, listen, I'm not the guy who hurt you. Um, you know, he came right out and said that, and I thought that was great. It was like, hello, I am a new guy, clean slate here. Um, yeah. So, There's yeah, a, we do that. Absolutely. It's, There's a story. I mean, my husband, he's well-versed in all of the psychological language and theories, and I talked through all of this stuff with him, and it's funny because I, I came from a more um, anxious attachment style, especially in this past relationship with the one with my big heartbreak where he was more avoidant, and little things kind of set me off, and I've shifted into a much more secure attachment style now, but it's, so it's very interesting if something is triggering for me, um, I can talk about it with my husband, and in fact, something came up. I don't remember what exactly it was, but something came up the other day, and my husband, jokingly, he like fakes, you know, uses his hand as if it's a telephone, and he goes, hello, is this Samantha's anxious attachment style? I just want you to know that you have nothing to worry about, and like, give me a big hug now or something, and he like puts the Uh phone down, and it was just so cute, right, because he knows me, and exactly, you know, what my you know, trigger something or come up, but then the second you can talk about it and when you're with someone secure and when you function from a secure style, you can talk about anything and feel reassured or validated and you have nothing to worry about. There's not, there's such less conflict in relationships when you can actually communicate about things. And that's where the whole picking smart and you choosing your partner is so important because if you choose someone who activates your attachment system, then you're going to wind up with a lot of conflict and constantly feeling on edge or worried or like you want to escape. And so that's why the picking piece, when you educate yourself on this, it's the best thing you can do for yourself. Mm, Well, I love how your husband dealt with it and used humor. Um, That's a great story. And I think that's, that's when we know we've really come so far, when we can kind of laugh at where we used to be. And when we're with a partner who's not mocking us but supports us, and you found that. And so I hope that really is a sign for everybody that there's hope, that, you know, that breakup was not the right person for you and that there's something better on the other side. Um, So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. I can't wait for your book to come out. And if you can let people know where they can find you and talk about your book release. Absolutely. So first and foremost, my book is called Breaking Up and Bouncing Back, Moving On to Create the Love Life You Deserve. And it's available now for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and will be shipping and live on the bookshelves June 13th of this year, 2018. And I am pretty active on um, Instagram and my handle is at lovesuccessfully.com. And I also have one specifically dedicated to breakups, which is at, and you can also find me on uh, Facebook, uh, my personal account, which is open, you know, to new friends is Hello, Samantha Burns, and my business page is Samantha Burns Love Successfully. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom today and and helping our our listeners get over their breakup and bounce back to have the best life and the best love possible. Thank you, Sandy. I appreciate you having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. And if you love the show, we would appreciate a rate and review. Um, Go to iTunes and just give us a quick rating. You're on Last First Date Radio. 
and that helps our show reach more people. And um, we hope that you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. <laughs>